Welcome to the Live Your Vision podcast. On episode 50 with Joe Grenet, we dove into his business-real estate advice, managing, not balancing your work life effectively, and the importance of culture within a business. Hope you enjoy the show. Joe, welcome to the Live Your Vision podcast. Grateful for you coming on today. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to kick off the podcast just to check in on how you've been doing like mentally over the past week. Last year or last week? Last week. Last week? <laughs> hmm. Uh, I'm a pretty routine guy, so as long as I stay in my routine, my mental state uh, stays stays pretty well. Uh, <laughs> I talk to my wife about this a lot. One of my skill sets is I can compartmentalize things really well. So when I wake up in the morning, I can stay focused on kind of family time, getting that going and then getting, you know, some me time in my workout and then getting to the office and hammering that out and then getting home and making a transition to family time. So mm-hmm. that's a, more of a skill set that I've learned over the last few years as a, a young entrepreneur in the business. It was just more all about me and all about my business and, you know, unfortunately wife and, and you know, family stuff was, was distant, but I course corrected as, yeah. as you get mature, you get older, you get more mature and you, you learn the priorities. Yeah. So, what does your current like morning routine look like? Uh, most of the time I get up at 445, five o'clock, depends on, I'm not one of those guys that doesn't hit the snooze button a couple of times, but you just usually, get it right away. What's that? You just get it right away. No, no, no. Okay. I, I used to, but now it's alarm goes off four forty-five, five. But I'm usually up around five fifteen, five thirty, uh, and then uh, get in the hot tub outside for 10, 15 minutes and just <laughs> kind of relax. And that's my just a little little me time and get kind of ready for the day without my phone and just kind of getting organized yeah and then from there uh, i've got three kids and my wife stays home who has a hardest job in the household but she also you know you got to get the kids ready and i got to help out and get them showered and she works out in the morning so we just got our routine and uh communicate that and and get each other off to to work so to speak even though she stays home and works she's uh also going to school as well so it's it's hectic yeah it's it's hectic how's so. that been is your so is your kids still going to school yeah is it online? knock on wood knock on wood they go yeah. to private school so <laughs> nice. they are they are in school right now and so far so good yeah and then your wife is currently going to school as well yeah so nice. one of the reasons why we're here or why, why we're here is because she got a job at target okay coming out of uh, college and i followed her up here and she spent 11, 12 great years with Target and we had our first son. She went back to Target for maybe two, three months and we decided as a, as a couple to have her stay home and we tighten up the belt and the rest is history. So a lot of great things happened for us and her at Target, but she's had the ability to stay home with the three kids and that's been a blessing. But she's always never wanted to be defined as a mother, but want to take this opportunity and, and, you know, be the best mother to get the kids kind of off on the right start. But she likes to work and has her passions and actually going to school to be a nutritionist right now and actually doing an amazing job. So I'm proud of her. Yeah. How has that work-life balance been for you? Is it super easy to manage that or are you like very strict on it? 
Uh, definitely not easy, and, and I don't like the, the word balance because it's never balanced. It's just never 50-50, so you just have to take the chunks of what you prioritize, your family, yourself, uh, work, whatever they are, and you just have to fit them all in 24 hours and, and just do your best. But uh, um, so, you know, I just don't like the balance topic in that context because mm -hmm. it's never balanced, if that makes sense. Yeah. So this can be like very day to day almost, if that makes sense. Uh, for me, it's, it's, it's not day to day. I mean, okay. my, I live by my calendar for the most part yeah. and if it's on my calendar, I, I, I do it. But, uh, there's Joe time, there's family time and there's work time and you just prioritize those throughout the week. And when you're in those moments, you know, we call it transition into husband time or dad time or work time or, or just Joe time, you're, you're in that moment because mm -hmm. we all have these things and yes. we're human and we get <laughs> nine gazillion distractions mm -hmm. through, through life and you got to be able to say no to things. Yeah. And you learn as you get older, as you more mature, uh, there's a lot of power in, in saying no. So, mm -hmm. cause you originally, so you originally grew up in Chicago what was the main motive to move to Minneapolis? Well, I grew up in a town about the size of Monticello called Streeter, Illinois. So it's southwest of Chicago, but grew up and spent a lot of time in the city. Um, but yeah, the motivation was get a job. <laughs> um, I was never the best student and frankly hated school, but I went to school to hang out with friends and, and, and go to play football. But I knew I needed to get a degree and did that and my wife was the smart one and I knew she was gonna get a job either in Chicago or Minneapolis. We we're looking at Denver and she got a job at Target and she was all in. So I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. moving to Minneapolis. Cause I always wanted to move east, west and south and we ended up moving straight north and it's kind of bummed day one. But <laughs> you, when we look back and go, cause we've been here 20 years now mm -hmm. and this is, this is definitely home and uh, we enjoy it. Yeah. When, so when you originally moved here, what did you do? Did you do something specifically in real estate or was it something else? No. When I moved here, uh, again, my wife was working at Target and the funny story is I knew I needed to work and the funny thing is I literally got a job at Ridgedale and at Gap. So okay. I just, just to make some money, I just, I've always worked and I just, I just wanted to have some income coming in as I was looking around for more of a full-time job. And I stumbled upon an ad for Northwest Athletic Club. They were opening a gym in Maple Grove for a membership salesperson, membership rep. And I got that job because I've always been interested in health clubs and working out. And I thought that'd be a fun environment to, to be in. I thought about opening my own gym someday. And the best thing that ever happened to me was getting that job because I did really well at membership sales, moved around to different clubs and got promoted to sales director. And then I got promoted to the, the biggest gym or the biggest club in the Twin Cities, which was St. Louis Park. And I was 20, 24, maybe 25-ish at that time. And they, they promoted me to the number one club in the region, the highest sales goal, did okay my first year, second year didn't do well and got fired. And it was hard. Uh, I remember still to that day getting brought into that office and 
um, let them let me go because it was weird because I showed up at my desk and my 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 email wasn't working, mm-hmm. the internet was off, and you learn at a young age when when you're in corporate and that's that's that stuff's turned off. That's not yeah. a good sign. <laughs> so it, it was hard, but actually, you know, you take a step back and you analyze it. What could you done different? What did you learn about it? And you move on. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't dwell on it. And that's where one of my really good friends, actually my best friends, got me into um, into the mortgage lending business. Uh, so started in lending and then I got my real estate license and kind of off I went. Yeah. What was the biggest takeaway from that first job you had when you moved here? Oh, takeaway from being at Northwest Athletic Club. I mean, there was a lot of takeaways. Uh, again, I moved up here, didn't know anybody. So I worked, worked out and spent time with my wife. I mean, that's really, really what I did. And I was never the smartest uh, person. And I really masked my lack of experience and confidence. Just I outworked everybody. So I would be the first one in, the last one out. I'd sit at home and, I don't know, watch TV and stuff envelopes to, to mail people, uh, you know, do they want to join the health club? So I enjoyed it. Uh, I had nothing else to really do. And um, that really taught me to, you know, the activities that you put into work, because that's what you can control, the outcomes will mm-hmm. will follow. Is so, that like yeah. worth work ethic something that you kind of just developed over time? Or is that something that you feel like um, you were kind of like born with? Huh, that's a good question, because I've always I've always felt and I've always hired and in my job interviewing conversations with people, focus on we want people because one of our core values is driven and we really focus on people that want to work hard and can work hard. And I, I still feel, but there's a lot of smarter people out there that might be able to prove me wrong on this. But I truly feel today with my life experiences is you're, you're born with that work ethic or your family instilled that work ethic in you through your childhood and you can talk to somebody and walk through their life call it from high school on and see really do they have good work ethic you know have they always had jobs are there big gaps did they play sports did they were they on the badminton team or the the chess club or whatever i mean were they in stuff or were they not. I mean, there's a lot of ways to measure maybe work ethic, but I think that's something that not, I'll take it back, maybe not born with it, but more instilled at a young age, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you've, would you say you've always had this work work ethic, like when you're younger in like college and or would you say that it just kind of started developing out of college? I would say at a young age, my dad would probably disagree because I didn't want to mow the lawn and... <laughs> you know, certain responsibilities as a young kid. But as I got older, I think there was more of a drive to succeed. And I saw one of my friends mowing lawns. I'm like, God, I could do that. He's making good money. I went out and started Joe's Lawn Care at seventh grade. Hmm. So I don't know if it was really work ethic, but maybe just more drive or just, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur and and followed his footsteps. I I don't know, but it, it was definitely there. And that drove me just to continue to evolve. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I look back at my childhood because 
when a lot of my friends were messing around, doing whatever, skateboarding, I don't know, whatever, whatever they did at that age. Uh, you know, I was out mowing lawns or I was working out or, or training just cause again, I, I wasn't the best athlete. I was good. I was, you know, above average, but I just knew I had to outwork everyone else. And I always knew the effort and time I put in, you know, good things would come out at the end because you can't control the end, but you can control the, your attitude. You can tr- control, you know, focus on the things that you mm-hmm. can control. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So you started your first business in seventh grade. Yeah. Wow. And that yeah. was that was Moin Lawns. I, sh- I should have brought my business plan because my grandma Ooh. still to this day she she has it. And I have it somewhere in my house. It's uh, it's pretty cool to look back and I really give credit to my dad and my mom for uh, helping encouraging me on that because. I wanted, I saw my friend's brother have a lawn care business. I want to do that. And I went to my dad and said, let's go buy a lawnmower. And he's like, no, 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 no. I, you buy the lawnmower. So mm-hmm. then he taught me about um, building a business plan, which I have the three ring binder. And he made me pedal my ass down to the bank, which he helped set up the meeting, open the door. But I had to go in and present to the bankers. And they gave me a loan for $3,200 to buy a John Deere uh, riding lawnmower with a mm. green trailer and a weed eater and a push mower and a broom. Oh, wow, so you went all in. Yeah, so so I <laughs> drove my ass around Streeter, Illinois, and that's how I bought my first truck and bought a trailer and then got into landscaping and just you know that's just how it started. So I hope that I can instill those things into my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I look back and my parents helped open up some doors, but they just didn't give things to me. Mm-hmm. In so. what ways do you think you can instill that in like kids? I think you can instill that in kids by not just giving them everything that they ask for. Um, having, um, uh, you know, jobs around the house and, you know, having them mow the lawn as they get a little bit older. Um, you know, just have them learn responsibility. And... Uh, you know, we have and slacked on it a little bit lately, but we have three jars in our household and one is save, one is spend and one is um, save, spend and share. So they're the three S's. So when they get the mindset behind is when they get money, if they get three dollars, they put one in the save, they put one in the spend and they put one in the share. So if they want to go out and buy something, they they can use their spend money because they have this. So it's just trying to be the best you can be because we all are a product of our childhood and not that parents didn't love kids, but sometimes parents just don't have the right skills and it's on us as the kids to just get a little bit better. And, and that's what my wife and I are trying to do for our kids. And, um, you know, Mm -hmm. is there, so like as they grow older, do you feel like it'll be difficult to manage that? Because generally, if kids get older, they'll start like wanting to kind of push the boundaries of what you set as a parent. I guess, do you have any um, anything that you feel like how you would combat that? Well, there's no real manual to being the best parent out there. So you, again, you just try to do the best you can with the skills that you have. Um, and you, you just want the best for your kids. You want them to be happy and, and safe and stay out of trouble. But when they get into trouble, 
they learn from it and and also try to support them with what they want to do because they have to be them. Um, you try to encourage them on certain things. You know, I want my son to be a Chicago Bears fan, but <laughs> he likes the Philadelphia Eagles right Ooh. now. So, you know, that's just, you know, uh, what you, you just do your best. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the kids nowadays is, you know, I don't know how old you are, but, uh, you know, my, my son loves Minecraft and, mm-hmm. and Fortnite. Do I want him to be on Fortnite and Minecraft all day and all night? If I let him, he would. Yeah. So, again, you just try to carry that that balance mm-hmm. so interesting which which i don't like that word but uh so lord balance oh balance <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes um so you started your first business seventh grade and then did you start any other business up until starting drg i had a t-shirt business in college okay um any other businesses I mean, I've started some other small ones here and there, but yeah, the big one obviously was, was DRG where I went from an agent by myself to where I started a team and then for good and bad reasons, uh, turned the team into a mm-hmm. company. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about the clothing business. Um, <laughs> cause, cause Ever North is a clothing business as well. Like what, what originally interests you to start like a clothing business? Cause that can be super like there's there's so many clothing brands out there for yeah. someone to really like want to start a clothing brand it has to be like a specific well, let's, interest let's for take sure 10 steps back on okay. this clothing okay. brand so <laughs> i was in college i was probably sophomore junior and i worked at the field house and at the college i mm-hmm. went to and the guy um, he was in charge of ordering all the athletic gear so he had the connection to this t-shirt company and I know they're probably crap Hanes shirts, <laughs> like, you know, like the quality <laughs> ones today. But I thought about just, why don't I just make fun, catchy, uh, I went to Loris College in Dubuque, Iowa. Our, our, uh, our uh, mascot was a Dewhawk, which is a Dubuque Hawk. Everybody makes fun of it, but it is what it is. And so I just made these football shirts and like if there was a game coming up um against our rival i'll just make t-shirts and sell them mm. for 20 bucks a, a t-shirt and it, it oh, wasn't okay. it wasn't anything like what you're talking <laughs> about like, so that's why yeah. i wanted to dial it back a little bit okay. so it was just trying to make a little extra money mm-hmm. for the weekend coming up so yeah so you kind of yeah or you kind of saw an opportunity where it's like okay you know like sports college fans they'll probably like this like rivalry yeah just like simple. t-shirt clothing yeah. stuff yeah just okay be an opportunist uh, at that time and you know just, again I'm always thinking about different ideas and that was just one mm-hmm. I thought of at the time so yeah did you do that all throughout college and that that kind of helped support you financially through college well I worked so you worked and did the I clothing I worked and then did that okay. um, I had a, I picked up a few lawns uh, at college that I just did here and there but that was that was basically it I, I was I was running pretty lean yeah. it's not very expensive to live in Dubuque Iowa at that time okay so dang yeah. <laughs> um what so what originally interests you to start DRG living in Minneapolis for a little while was it something that you kind of saw in the market because it, it kind of sounds like did you have any prior experience as well in like the real estate so the story goes, uh, once I was in the lending business, the owner broker came to one of the sales meetings and said, mm-hmm. 
who wants to double their, their income? And like all salespeople, everybody raises their hand. And he next said, well, I want you to go out there and get your real estate license. And so at that time, you could help somebody get pre-approved on their mortgage to, to um, potentially buy a home. And then you could also take them out there and show them homes. It's very, very, very rare. I don't even know if people even do that anymore, but that was the model back then before the mortgage meltdown and, and sub, all that subprime mm. stuff. So what I figured at that time was I was an okay loan officer. I was an okay realtor. And I, I just wanted to focus on one of them. So I just decided to focus on the real estate side. And the thing I liked about this company was they were the only home services company in the upper Midwest that was unionized. So I learned about being focused, being having a niche and standing out where the, the, the brilliant thing that these guys did was they went to all these local unions around the state and said, hey, if you give us your database, we will take care of your members. We're a union too, we're, we're brothers. And we'll give you reduced rates, we'll give you free credit reports, we'll help you um, in the financial services, home services, we'll help take care of your members. So uh, it was a great concept, it worked really well. It just wasn't my niche, it wasn't, I didn't really, wasn't passionate about that part of the industry. And I was driving all around the state of Minnesota and I just knew that there was so much opportunity here in the Twin Cities and at that time my wife and I moved down here to the North Loop. And so I switched over to a different brokerage. Uh, and one day, this guy coming in in a nice suit, sat down in the all company meeting, and he talked to us about branding and specialization and standing out from the competition. Because in our industry, a realtor, typically most people know a few, if not 10. So knowing myself new to this market, not knowing a lot of people, um, wanting to be a little bit different, wanting to go my way, I really gravitated to that concept. So long story short, ended up hiring this company to build a, a personal brand for myself as being a downtown expert. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the market started to shift. And I knew I needed help. So if I met you wanting to sell your home, but you didn't want to write a $50,000 check to sell it, I wanted to also offer different options for you. And that's where I learned from another gentleman how to rent out homes. So instead of just saying, well, sorry, I can't help you today, maybe never see you again, instead of selling your home, why don't we rent it out? So that's where the leasing started coming mm -hmm. about. Okay. So I continued to work with buyers and sellers. I started a leasing division with some really hungry people that I brought from the health club business and my other uh, real estate company and they did really well. So then the company that I was at at that time, which I really enjoyed being there, the owner was great. He was a very visionary person, uh, very charismatic. But what I found continuing with that company was there's always these new ideas, but nothing was ever changing. So for a lot of different reasons, good or bad, I felt I could just do it better myself. And I went out and got a mentor on the sales marketing side, got a mentor on the strategy business side, and formed DRG, mm -hmm. worked on DRG for the next year and a half. 
Yeah. How did you find those mentors in those specific yeah, places? Yeah. You know, just life and time and things, people, you, you cross paths. But when I was with this specific real estate company, I used to, the mortgage company that they were with, they had a strategic partnership with them. And this guy that I ended up hiring would come and speak to other realtor and business professionals once a month. he call them mastermind sessions. And I really liked what he said. Um, and now to this day, he's one of my best friends. So I really leaned into him and he said, I can help you in these areas, but I'm not good at the financials and the operation mm-hmm. side. Hey, my neighbor specializes in working with small businesses. You should talk to him. So through those two mentors, we took, like I said, a year and a half to lay out how we wanted DRG to be, and then we went forward from there. So mm-hmm. in 2007, we set out with a clear vision to, to have a client on every in every building, or excuse me, we, we set out in 2007 to have a client on every floor of every building in downtown Minneapolis. So that was our vision when we rolled out DRG. But just the difference, what I wanted to do from where I came from not only have a big vision, a North Star where we can see where we're going, but have a plan. And not saying we're perfect, not saying we execute on everything, mm-hmm. but we did enough things good to get us on to the next vision in 2012. And then I just rolled out a new vision here 45 days ago. Oh, wow. So, so far I feel we're two for two, but this yeah. next vision is our, our biggest one. Yeah. So How hard is it to like take the vision and then make it super actionable for like your team? <sighs> That action part isn't the hardest part. It's the coming up with the why and the vision. Because um, it has to be authentic and it has to be real. And it just takes time. And when I came up with our newest vision, I was all jacked about it and excited about it. But when I presented it to the leadership, they were like, yeah, I'm excited about this part. But this one little part, we're not so uh, jacked about that. So the nice thing about it was collectively together with leadership, we came up with even a better vision than what I did myself, which makes me feel good. And now we have more Mm buy-in. So, yeah. Is it difficult to get everyone aligned with that vision or is that maybe like a culture thing that you look at? All of the above. It's one of those things where it has to be, you have to believe it from the top. And then, then the next level of people have to believe it almost as much as, 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 as you do. But then it's just, you say it, but then you have to do it. So you have to constantly reiterate it. You have to be authentic to it. Like ours is by 2030, we want to be the realtor for the city of Minneapolis. So it's a geo change on where we've been for the last almost 15 years, focusing downtown. So we want to focus all of Minneapolis and it's you say that but you can't all of a sudden well why are you open an office in Duluth and why are you open an office in Rochester or why are you open an office in Burnsville that doesn't that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. so your actions have to run parallel to your vision mm-hmm. so yeah um, is it like how have you cultivated your culture within DRG to like align with like kind of what you're envisioning for the company well, culture is very important. It's kind of a buzzword, but every organization, every is, is culture is important, but it has to start with top down and, um, good and bad. Uh, you know, I, I lead, I lead the way and I can't do this by myself, nor do I want to. 
Um, I love seeing other people be successful. I want to be successful every single year, but I want everybody else to be more successful every single year too. So success is only one way to measure it, but also people have to enjoy their, their place of work. They have to be challenged. They have to get feedback. Um, has to be a safe, trusting place. That's something that from the day one that we rolled out DRG were a lot different. Like the people that were with us day one, if they walked into DRG today, it'd be a lot, a lot different. And I'm excited about that. But again, we're not perfect. We've got our issues like everyone else, but uh, culture has been a big challenge this year because we pride ourselves on, you know, getting out of the office, doing happy hours, rooftop events, community stuff. Because uh, half of what we sell in Minneapolis is the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's not for everybody and that's okay. But for the people that really want it, we love talking about the neighborhoods. We love the restaurants and the activities and the theaters and, and just all the stuff that this city offers. Uh, it's just a harder thing to do now with COVID and everything mm-hmm. going on. So our, our culture is definitely taking a hit, uh, but morale still still solid and, and people understand it's not like this is just a drg thing or it's just a minneapolis thing or a minnesota thing this is a worldwide thing yeah so. what have you done in terms of like learning and developing your leadership skills but also just being a business owner is there anything that you seek to learn from podcasts books people i hate to read <laughs> uh just starting to get into more podcasts i read chapters but i don't my attention drifts, so I, I okay. wish I read more. It's definitely something I I, I, I want to do, but uh, um, it's 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 listening and, and asking for feedback. And I've had a lot of mentors and coaches in my life, and and, and whether it's from people bigger than me, um, people uh, that are my staff or agents, just trying to now as I've matured over the years it's just I don't have all the ideas and ask for feedback more I used to be a shoot first aim second all that conversation Mm -hmm. but just try to be more humble and 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 just understand that yes you still need to lead the company but you don't have to do everything yeah so delegate more empower more people get a little more hands off but uh um you know, again, and, and also it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, because at, at sometimes it gets it's lonely at the top, because people lean on you and constantly asking for this, this, and this, and this, and that, and you just sometimes you go ah. But at the end of the day, it's okay to push back a little bit. It's okay to ask help because there's a lot of people in your same situation. So I, I'm in right now with my business coach, like a CEO roundtable group. So that's it's it gives us an opportunity to share best practices and, and just vent about certain things and also problem solve and, and help one another out. Because I am a person that keep going. Yep. <laughs> I'm a person that. I'm not looking to put people out of the business. I'm not looking to crush the competition. You know, I want to improve every year, get a little bit more successful, get a little bit bigger and better every single year because uh, there's truly enough business out there for everybody. Um, so, and this is a copycat society and economy and um, I like finding other business owners and operators. I just had a luncheon yesterday with my CFO and another business operator that does um rentals in Minneapolis in the Twin Cities and does some multifamily stuff and it was just nice to share some some best practices with someone else and um, you know 
it's nothing secretive. Mm -hmm. What's been the biggest issue that you've encountered in DRG over like the past month? Biggest issue in the past month is, is, is really just getting us stabilized with, um, with COVID and cause COVID and condos and density, it's just, it's just not the best recipe. Um, we're stabilized now we're, we're good and we're really excited about the future. So with that aside, um, one of my real big challenges is part of the 10 year plan that the 10 year vision is, you know, coming out of the George Floyd stuff. Uh, I felt DRG has always been an inclusive company. Um, at certain times we've been, uh, you know, we had some diversity, but just taking a look in the mirror and going, God, if we're truly authentically going to be the realtor for the city of Minneapolis, we need to look like the city of Minneapolis. It can't be just a bunch of people that look just like you and I, because mm -hmm. we need different ideas. We need different backgrounds and, and, and new ideas, and they just don't come from, from you and I. So... I have a friend that is is in the diversity business with Cargill and spent a lot of time with her and just try to learn, try to understand, ask questions and stand up and be strong with not only do we want to recruit and we want to double the size of the company over the next 10 years, but we want to do it in a, in a diverse way. But it, not that it's important to us, but it's critical. But also that that's the PC narrative today. And I understand that. So I've had people, you're just doing that because it's right now. I mean, they'll, they'll see the long-term results that of, of what we accomplish. And I don't want to make us diverse just to check the box. I want to create diversity because it's good for business and it's the right thing to do. Uh, that's what I'm excited about and having conversations uh, with Every, everyone out there, um, that's, that's been challenging because it's, it's just not something that we've done before, but I'm excited about that next chapter for DRG. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you kind of looking, like looking out in the future towards like that 10 year plan based off of like the current year? Do you see that still remaining the same? Cause you did have it pretty recently. Um, do you still like foresee that being the same? What? What being the same? Um, the tenure, like your yeah. forward vision for no it. No question. I, I, I see it. It's crystal clear. I have the seven, five, three year plan. Um, the most challenging is when you go from three to now, because that's, that's the rocks, that's the details, that's the implementation. Um, yeah, that's, that's not changing as yet. The tenure, tenure is very fluid. Um, the things that are one year and kind of three year, those things are a little more, you can touch it and feel it. But, uh, right now it's, it's full steam ahead. It's full mm -hmm. steam ahead and I'm, I'm excited about it. And so far so good. We've got great staff at, at the company right now. We've got great agents. Um, uh, people are, are performing at a higher level. We just need more of them. And with our track record, uh, we've been able to produce some really high producing agents. Now, some of them have left and gone to other brokerages and had great careers and great. Mm -hmm. uh, there's enough business for everybody out here. Just who's mm -hmm. up next. Yeah. So. Do you use a business framework for DRG? Is uh, yeah, it like traction? Traction. traction? Was, yeah. Nice. Yeah. How do you like that? I love it. I think we can actually do better. Um, you know, we, we like every, every company we drift a little bit, but we use the L10s. We use the accountability chart. We use the people analyzer. Um, 
Yeah, there's a lot of things I like about it. Again, I'm not the smartest person in the whole world, so I like things <laughs> simple. And EOS and Traction really lay it out very, very simple yeah. and, and clean. There's there's a lot of companies like Freehouse and Blue Plate. They use it. Alchemy uses <laughs> it. Um, I've got a business coach right now that is very familiar with it, but he comes from a different uh, coaching. It's, it's like it's like EOS. Yeah, 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 you, yeah, yeah you know, Glenn's yeah, been on this podcast before, <laughs> so his is a lot more robust. Robust. Um, mm-hmm. maybe too robust for me. And, uh, but again, I overall like, I like the EOS yeah. model. Would you have any advice for people, for people that run a business and they're using traction? Oh, advice for people to use traction. I mean, I would say just stick with it. Uh, but having a leadership team that is, you know, they get it, want it, have capacity. That's kind of the terminology there, but, um, uh, mm-hmm. that are all, on the, in the same canoe and rolling in the right direction. I mean, not everybody's going to agree on, on every, every, uh, issue and topic, but I think just being in that same boat, going in the right direction is, is critical. Um, we've, we tried things like maybe we should meet every other week and things like that, but meeting every week, you get so much more done. Um, that's just what I've seen from like an implementation standpoint, but, uh, yeah, I mean, because you got to get. I've seen other EOS companies or people that have done it for other companies that like the CEO or the owner is not really involved. Mm-hmm. It's just more the leadership team, and I that to me seems like a little bit more of a recipe for not to work. Like everybody has to be. So you're very involved. Yeah, with all very okay. much. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, I sit on the visionary uh, role. Rick sits in the integrator role, and then. We've got Patrick who runs our leasing division and we've got Mike who's big in our buy sell division and then Faith who's our transaction coordinator. So we've got a, we've got a solid, solid team. Mm-hmm. And so Joe, I'm 21. I'm wanting to get into like real estate investments in the future. What advice would you have for people in that age range to like start now based in Minneapolis? Yes. Yeah, first thing is just you got to have the mindset to start. When I first came up here and I wanted to get into more development, like rep developers, I went around and talked to Jim Stanton, Rich Pakinen, Chuck Lear, Steve Min, and just wanted to get my name on the map. And one of the questions I asked all of those guys is, how did you start? And they all start, most of them all, the common theme, the thread was, they all started with a duplex or like a fourplex. And they just kept growing from there. So I would just say start from a mindset standpoint and then go out there and find somebody. We've got a guy in our office right now, him and his girlfriend just bought their first fourplex. A lot of people don't realize that you can buy, they bought like a $750,000 fourplex with income already coming in with 3% down because they're first time home buyers. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of programs out there that will allow you just to start. And the other thing is save, you know, you gotta have some money to make money. So it's either save or go find somebody out there to loan it to you just to get started. Mm-hmm. So those would be my few tips to get Sweet. going. Thank you. So. What, what are your thoughts on like 0% down, 3% down, 5% down, 10% down? Do you have a like intended, recommended um, percentage that you'd recommend? Um, no, because it's case by case based off somebody's financial situation today. And then um, what are their goals short, long term? So I don't get hung up so much on the down down payment piece because number one, if you're just starting, you only have so much money. So who cares? Put down 3%, put down 5%, put down as least as you can. But at the end of the day, the payment has to make sense. 
I use the analogy, if I can get you a million dollar home, right? And that, what do you pay for rent right now? Uh, right now, I think it's Make up a two, number. 2, it's 2,100. 2,100. <laughs> so if I can get you a million dollar home and it's, you know, 1% interest rate, but your payment is $2,100, you're like, I'm in all day long. So it's, it's about that payment. It's about the payment. So um, a lot of people get bent out of shape. Oh, I got to pay mortgage insurance. Just afford the payment, get in the game of homeownership, especially if you want to get into small multifamily and grow a portfolio. You just got to start. You just got to start. But again, surround yourself with the right people, you know, learn the data, learn, learn the track record. You know, there's a level of risk that you got to uh, be willing to tolerate, but you just got to, you just got to start. Mm-hmm. So Sweet. And then to finish off the podcast, if you were to like look back at your younger self, <laughs> what would be your one piece of advice that you'd have? Uh, take more Rogaine for my, my hair. No. Um, <laughs> what would I, what would I do and go back and, and change? Just advice. Maybe <sighs> save more, save more money. Um, because when you're, when you're young, a lot of you lack confidence, right? Is that fair? You're, you get intimidated by certain things or yeah, definitely, I, for sure. I'm 20 or 22, this person's 30 or 40. I'm a little intimidated, mm-hmm. but we all put our pants on same way. We've all been there. So if you find something that's not an egotistical asshole, most men or women want to help young people. So if you're out there, you don't get anything if you don't ask, right? Mm-hmm. So be clear what you want. And then go out and find people that will help you because they are out there. They are out there in, in droves and don't worry about failing because if you fail forward, you know, that's kind of the new thing and just learn from it. Great. Just fail sooner at a young age than at a later age. And and that's really, I think the recipe for success for somebody that's a go-getter, young entrepreneur or an opportunist, just get out there and ask for help. And be willing to ask the hard questions. Be willing to take constructive criticism, because um, your confidence will grow. Mm-hmm. So that's what Sweet. I would say there. Sweet, thank you. Appreciate you coming on to the podcast, and also grateful for all the work you do through DRG in Minneapolis, and also your personal. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you having me on, and hopefully we can do this again.